your opportunity to listen and learn from the most successful people driving growth and success in Palm Beach County and beyond. Welcome to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principled Wealth Advisors. Carrie and his guests share stories and insights from Palm Beach County's most successful executives, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Learn how they made it to where they are today, what principles guide them, how they mentor others to achieve success, and more. Hi, this is Carrie Stamp. I'm your host for the Business in Paradise podcast. I've got a good friend of mine on the podcast today. He's an absolutely amazing CPA, accountant, business advisor, consigliere to uh, companies all over Palm Beach County. Brent Leslie is the director of Berkowitz, Pollock, and Brandt. They're CPAs and advisors, and they're here in Palm Beach, Florida. Brent, welcome to the Business in Paradise podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate you having me on. Now, Brent, you've been in Florida a very long time, and I call the podcast Business in Paradise because I think of Florida where I adopted Florida 15 or 16 years ago as an amazing place to live. Tell me how long you've been here. So I've actually been here since I was born. I was born in uh, Palm Beach Gardens Hospital a long time ago. So <laughs> You're born here, yeah. and your folks uh, have had businesses, and they've had their professions right. and their careers right here in the north part of Palm Beach County, right? Yep, and, and even my parents, I believe my parents both moved here when they were pre-teenagers. Uh, I think my dad was maybe seven or eight when he moved here, and my mom was probably about 17. And so it's been a long time. And ironically, your father is a CPA. He w didn't always practice as a CPA, but he, is a CP he has a CPA. You have a CPA, and I think some of your siblings are also have their CPA so designations. Yeah, this, this is really going to make us sound kind of bad as a family, like the most exciting family in the country, right? No, but I'm a CPA. I have three sisters who are all CPAs. My dad is a CPA. My wife is a CPA. My brother-in-law is a CPA. And so when we have Thanksgiving, I believe the only non-CPA at the table right now is my mom. And and, uh, you know, it's, it, they can make for some interesting conversations for sure. So I'm sure they can. A lot of tax and business uh, talk. Now, did you go to uh, one of the Florida universities? I did. So when I was, uh, I, I, so growing up here, I owned several different businesses as a, as a kid. And, and uh, so when I was in college, I actually owned a fishing and seafood market. And so I, I elected to stay here for college. And I started out at uh, Palm Beach Community College and then went on to FAU to, to get my degree. And, uh, and yeah, so I mean, it was really a factor of the businesses I had and things like that. When you were a kid, you had several different businesses. And you yeah. had a seafood market? Yeah, so I, I've always loved fishing. It's my, my passion. It's, you know, probably my favorite thing to do whenever I get 10 minutes of free time. And so... When I was young, I was always like, well, what can I do to be able to go fishing every day and make some money at it? And so me and a, a buddy decided that we were going to go fishing, and we started out going fishing, catching fish, and selling it to people and things like that. And it just kind of grew, and it was never something where we made a ton of money or anything like that, but it financed us being able to go fishing every day and gave us some spending cash, and, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun in the process. And I learned a lot. I mean, I think I was 15 when we started it, 16 maybe. And, uh, you know, learning how to start your own S-Corp at that time or learning how to, to go to the bank and try to get a small business loan when you're a, a child. It was, it was a lot of a really good experience. So. And were you actually able to get a bank to give you a loan? 
I got a little bit of help, but yeah, we, we, okay. we did. I, I think it was like a $2,500 loan or something like that. And, and we definitely needed a little help. And, and we, what we did, we brought the business plan in and went through the whole thing. And, and luckily we, we were able to have someone you know, help us out with a, a co-sign on it. But, uh, but we, we were able to get it. So. And you mentioned you had a partner. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So first business, you have a partner in the first business. And sometimes having a partner can be difficult. We'll talk a little bit more about that yeah. later because you're in a business that's uh, a partnership. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people are in partnership businesses. And for a lot of us, those can provide some challenges and some huge opportunities. So you stay here, you go to school here. Yeah. You graduate from uh, college. And what's what's your first uh, work environment or your first job out of college? So when I graduated from college, it was an amazing time to graduate from college because we were 2005 and the economy was humming like crazy, similar to how it was last year. And so when I came out of college, I had offers to go to just about any firm I wanted to go, which is not always the case, but with the need that there was at the time, I, I got lucky. And uh, so I ended up, my first job was with a national accounting firm here in, in West Palm Beach and, and uh, really learned a lot there. It was a great experience. And with public accounting, your, your first several years are probably a little different than they are in a lot of other businesses because, you know, I, I, I think that that first year I probably averaged 60 plus hours a week. And I mean, you probably work two years for every year you work in your first few years at an accounting firm. Yeah, but it's really great because it builds character. You learn a lot. You can move up quick that way. And, and uh, it really helps you build that knowledge you need for later in your career when you become an advisor uh, to have a lot of experience and gotten to see a lot of things. Wow. So a uh, couple of years at uh, this big firm. Yeah. And then you kind of move on from there in your life. Yeah. And do you stay in public accounting from there? Yep. So I've, I've always, since I started working, I've always stayed in public accounting. I, I, when I first got into it, I thought, you know, I'm probably going to do four or five years of this and then try to go do something else, which is a pretty common career path for people. But then, you know, when you get to about year five or six, it kind of changes. Your responsibilities change. And it's like, this is actually kind of fun. I like what I'm doing now. So maybe I'll hang out a little longer. And so... Uh, I did make a move to a smaller firm, and I spent a couple years with that smaller firm, only for them to get bought out by another national firm and get back into the national you know, uh, spotlight with that. So until two or three years ago, I, I was mostly with national firms and, and got my background there. Uh, about two and a half years ago, I made the move to come over to Berkowitz Pollock Brant. They were just starting to want to wanna move into Palm Beach County. and. Uh, I was at a spot where I, I was looking for an opportunity to really try to build something of my own to start over and, and you know that so I took a leap of faith and came over with no book, with no clients, no anything, and uh, said, okay, it's time to time to get on the road and, and start making this happen. And it's been the most exciting and fun and probably successful two and a half years of my career. So were you their first employee in Palm Beach County? I was not. So they, they had had a few people from the Boca area had moved up about a year or so before, but they hadn't really put a lot of energy or effort into really trying to expand this area. It was kind of in its infancy. So, And so in, what did you say, two and a half or three years? It's been almost three years now, yeah. And how many people do you have working out of the office in, in West Palm Beach? So I was the fourth person to come in, and I'm pretty sure we're up to 22 people now. And we just signed a 10-year lease for permanent space that gives us the ability to go to about 40. 
And my projections, if I can find enough people, hopefully will get me there within the next two years at 40 people. That's fantastic. That kind of growth in that uh, period of time. What would you attribute it to? You know, two things. One is I, I got to give some credit to the economy and what's going on there because it, it's just been a crazy year for everyone. Florida has been the beneficiary of a lot of things that the rest of the country may not have been. And, and there's just a lot of businesses and companies moving down here, which has been great. But but really, the, the biggest thing is hard work. The, the group we have, the team we have, you know, everybody there is there to build something. It's not just clock in, clock out, go to work. You know, our entire team, all the way down to our new people out of college, know that we're here to build something that's going to be around for a long time, and you're in the infancy of it, and you're going to have an impact on that, and you're going to get to put some of your spin and your flavor into what this culture becomes here. So yeah. it, it's great. And Brent, the successful accountants that I know often will have some type of niche or specialization. They don't necessarily just work with everybody who walks through the door. Uh, you might have a tax practice, but in a lot of cases, I think you do a lot more uh, work with businesses. Tell me what, what a typical client looks like for you. So I guess I'm a little unique. First of all, I will say this. There is someone at our firm for everyone. So we, we have a 300-person practice here in South Florida. We also have offices in New York and a couple other places. But we have 300 professionals in South Florida. And with that kind of bandwidth, you know, we, we do have someone that can handle just about any kind of thing you could ever imagine in this world. Uh, but I really do focus mostly on businesses, a lot on you know, both privately held, closely held businesses and, and also once they take that next step and bring in private equity money or decide they want to go public or do those kind of things, I help a lot out with those things too. My typical clients, it's an amazing range. I mean, I have everything from a pre-revenue company right now that's that's trying to, to cut their teeth to I have a client that you know, their family between five different companies probably has two and a half billion dollars of annual revenues in the manufacturing industry. So it really is all different sizes, more so than a lot of people say, oh, my clients between this revenue range and this revenue range. I think that where I add the most value and our firm has the most value really has to do with more with the complexities of your company and what you're trying to do than how much money you make necessarily. So like I said, some of our smallest clients need the most help. And some of our biggest clients need some help too, but it's not necessarily that case. So it's really the more complex companies that have some you know, non-traditional component, whether it's that they're looking to raise capital or they're looking at an exit strategy and trying to plan for that next transition, or whether it's you know things like an international affiliate or component. So those things, when you get more complex than just, I make widgets, that's when we can really add a lot of value. Wow. So you obviously got to where you are because you had a good background, because you decided you were willing to work hard. Uh, but I always believe that we don't necessarily uh, take this journey on our own. Along the way, there were probably some people that gave you some pretty good advice. You probably had some mentors in the business. And I've talked about mine many times on the podcast, but are there any particular people that you say, geez, this person really took an interest in me and I wouldn't be here where I am today if I hadn't been involved? And give us some thoughts on how they guided you, Brent. Sure. So I, I've been very fortunate to work with some very prolific people that I learned a ton from and, and 
that, that I've really learned from. I would say that the the two people that have been my biggest influence, number one, and, and by a long shot, is my, my dad. My dad is the the most high-integrity businessman I think I've ever met in my life. And learning from him, watching how he did business, what he did with business, and, and how hard he worked and what he did, and, and then also being able to manage the business and the family side of things. He was the best example I could ever imagine, and and I I hope that someday, you know, someone could say that about me. But uh, you know, there's some some very big shoes to fill there. But I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story about it. I can remember, my dad had his own CPA firm when I was a little kid, and during busy season this time of year, which I'm very familiar with now, he uh, he used to work, and then he'd come home and he would coach my baseball team and my football team and my basketball team or whatever it was at that time of year from you know six until about eight o'clock and then he'd go back to the office and probably work until about three in the morning and then come home and get up and be you know gone by the time we woke up to go do the whole thing over again and coach me the next night too and just watching how he you know kept his priorities straight where yes you got to work hard and got to get that done but you got to make time for family that that was a great example for me and and uh something i try to do in my life too and sometimes i have to sacrifice a lot of sleep and things like that but it's definitely worth it from a more direct cpa career path driven you know the person that's been my greatest mentor and and that i i always give credit for this and, and i've learned so much from his style and i call him probably weekly which is questions about how i should handle a situation is uh steve Rittmiller and he hired me uh, as one of the ones that got me to come away from the large firm to go to the small firm and and i was there for a few years and i think we worked together directly for probably four or five years and and then we have gone a different path but i still count on him for all kinds of things and advice and and i know that he'll always be there to give me that you know honest true advice when, when i have questions you know what i know both of the people that you just mentioned yeah. very well and if I were a young person, and you are a young person because people can't see you on the podcast, yeah. in business today, and I had those two people as mentors, I would be very blessed to be able to say that I can reach out to either your dad, who was uh, also a previous guest on the Business in Paradise yeah. podcast, listen to the Jeff Leslie episode, because it's a fascinating story of somebody that started out as a certified public accountant and ended up running a phenomenal technology company down here in South Florida. And Steve Rittmiller, who hasn't been on the podcast yet, but is also somebody that I call on a regular basis to ask him questions about business or taxes or just uh, regular stuff. And we also happen to play a lot of golf together. So Steve and uh, Jeff, I'm glad that uh, uh, Brent called you out because you both totally deserve it. So Brent, tell us a little bit about how you, you described how your dad balanced the family life and the business life. How do you do that for yourself? You know, it, it, is, it is very difficult, but one thing I will say is the working remotely thing and, and not having to be in the office all the time is something that I've probably been doing in my career now for many years before COVID, but COVID has made it much easier because now it's more acceptable for everyone too. But, you know, Early in my career, when I first, well, I guess when I first had kids, I kind of made it a, a rule that I was going to be home and see my kids every night. And, and I don't get every night, but I, I guarantee you four out of five, I'm home to see my kids before they go to bed. And, and that's just something that's important to me. And 
obviously with the kind of hours we have to work sometimes, that doesn't mean that my day's over when they go to bed because a lot of times you got to get back up and that's when you actually get to do your real work because you've been doing all the other stuff you have to do all day long for work, right? And so I, I do that, you know, and, and I, I really, when I do have time, we take the time and we do family things. We go places as a family, we do things together. And so the one nice part about this profession that I'm in is that this is not a constant, you know, that's level, it's going to be the same every week. There's peaks and valleys. So there's times a year where I can work 60, 70 plus hours in a week. And then there's times of years where I don't have to do that. And when those times come, the goal is really take advantage of those times, get out of town with your family, spend time together, do things together, find hobbies that everybody enjoys doing together and, and cherish that time, you know. And if you're willing to tell us, some, you have two kids, right? Yes. Uh, and you have a lovely wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how did you meet? So I actually met my wife at my first job uh, with that national accounting firm. Uh, we worked together for about four years. And funny story, I started about six months before her, and I was training her on something. And I obviously rubbed her the wrong way because she thought that I was the biggest jerk in the room. And, you know, that went on. And hope, luckily, we were able to get past that and, and things things moved on but uh, so we worked together there for about four years and then we went in different directions career-wise but we've been together ever since so. so in the four years that you were working together I suspect that you started dating did you get married in those four years no nope that was a, a it was a little bit later so we didn't start dating immediately but there was always a, a connection there and we knew it but uh, but you know we we probably worked together and dated for a couple years and and uh, and then they said we both went to different firms after that. And then it was a little bit later we got married. And how old are your kids now? So our, uh, our son is five and our daughter is almost two. Wow. So you've got many years ahead of you of living with uh, kids and enjoying them. And I'm sure having your mom be a great grandma and your dad uh, in, enjoying time with them. Absolutely. When you were talking about the things that you like to do as a family as far as getaways, and I always see pictures of your dad on his boat, going to the Bahamas or fishing or whatever. Yeah. What do you and Andrea like to do to uh, get away and, and go uh, relax? So I guess there's there's two parts that there's there's the getaways where they're the kids focused getaways. And, you know, we make several trips a year to Disney or we'll go to the Keys or we'll go to somewhere for a night somewhere else, that kind of thing. But my wife and I have always pretty much you know, since before we got married, always taken one big, great trip every year to somewhere different around the world. And we've been very fortunate to be able to go to some amazing places and other continents and other sides of the world and things like that. And we just love that being able to get to experience other cultures and see different things that you don't get to see walking down the street in Florida. So, so give me one that you would say, if you have a chance to go here, don't miss it. Oh, geez. Well, I, I, I have to give you two because if I don't give you one, I'll get in trouble when I go home. So one is definitely Peru and going to see Machu Picchu and Cusco and all that. It is absolutely amazing out of this world. And, and I say I have to say that one, but I don't have to, but it, it really is amazing. But my wife is from Peru, too. And so when we go back there, we have a little advantage because she knows where all the good restaurants and all the good things are and has friends there and that kind of thing, too. But, uh, but it is absolutely amazing, and everyone needs to go there at some point in their life to see to see that. But I got to say my favorite place that, that I can't wait to go back to is Southeast Asia. Thailand was 
just such a different, you know, if you like seeing different cultures, that's really a different culture. You go to Europe and London's really not that different from New York when you really think about it in Paris and they all have good history and that kind of stuff. But the culture is so different when you get to some of these other places and you're walking around and you're seeing Buddhist temples everywhere instead of Catholic churches everywhere. And you're seeing these things and it's just a really cool experience. And I got to say, the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. They they have this culture of servitude where they want to serve you, they want to help you. They they're they're just it's an amazing place to go. So Bangkok or out in the countryside or in the beach in Thailand? All three. Really? All okay. three. And and the nice part is the only thing expensive about Thailand is getting there. Yeah. Once you're there, everything is very reasonable. I mean and, and just to, to tell you some of the things, we got massages on almost a daily basis. And massages there ranged anywhere from 5 to $7 for a 90-minute massage in U.S. dollars. So it is a very reasonable place to go. You can travel around very easily there. You know, if you're adventurous, spend a little bit of time in Bangkok and, and in the countryside. Don't just go to the beach. The beach is amazing. It's great. It's that kind of thing. But it is a little more touristy, and it's, you know, it's the beach. So. You know, uh, the last time, well, actually the only time, I should say, I was in Thailand, we also went up north to a town called... Uh, Chiang Mai, and uh, which has some amazing Buddhist temples like you're describing. Yeah. And my wife makes fun of me because we went to this elephant park, and the elephant walked over. They walk over and you kind of feed them or whatever, and they're standing right there. And he grabbed his tusk, and he put my arm up against this rail that uh, guards the cage and was squeezing it against the rail. I've got <laughs> I've got photos of it. I tell people that this elephant tried to kill me, and she's like, honey, he was just showing you affection. But um, any, anyway, I have a thing about uh, trying to stay a, a safe distance from elephants now. It's uh, probably a healthy, a healthy thing. Yeah. Peru, absolutely echo what you said. I've been to Machu Picchu twice. It was so amazing the first time that we went that uh, we actually wanted to take my father uh, the first time we went. And at that time, my father had just gone through a uh, procedure because he had esophageal cancer. And it had been his dream to see Machu Picchu. And he said, no, you should go. Go see it. And um, maybe someday I'll be able to get back. And then four years later, after he'd gone through his treatment, he'd been successful. And he'd survived stage four esophageal cancer. My dad is, is a true a warrior because he's gone through cancer twice and beaten it. Uh, we were able to take him back and spend New Year's Eve at the top of Machu Picchu in the Belmont Hotel, and it was absolutely uh, amazing. We were in the park for three different for three days, spent some awesome time out in the uh, Sacred Valley uh, near Cusco, and it was a tremendous trip, a great family trip that will have memories literally forever. You got to take your kids back when they're old enough to enjoy it. Absolutely. So, all right, let's talk business for a little second. If you were talking to a new entrepreneur and they were starting a business down here in South Florida, what are some of the common things that you might say to this person as far as doing business down here in paradise and what to be thinking about right now in Florida? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to limit that a little bit to Palm Beach because I think that there's some distinct markets down here. And, and the way that I would approach doing business in Miami is definitely not the same way I would approach doing business in Palm Beach. And so I, I always tell people, my, my biggest advice to someone that's new to this area that wants to do business is you've got to be a chameleon. And, and I have a very cliche saying that you got to be comfortable in a tux and your cowboy boots. And it's very true because 
it doesn't seem like it, but there's such a diversity of different types of people around here. You have everything from your Palm Beach socialites to your to your New York transplants to your and, and there's a, a huge old Florida population that's very wealthy and does a lot of business here. And you have the the Okeechobee and the the uh, the cowboys and the, all that kind of stuff too. And so, if you really want to be successful here you got to be able to, to kind of fit in all those circles. If you come in with a New York mentality and just act like everybody's New York, it's probably not going to fly here because the people that are from here have a little bit slower, different pace of life. And it's not quite like the South, like being in Atlanta or something like that. It's a little different from that too. And so just be very open-minded and go with the flow, but but try to be a chameleon and try to fit in, not just with you know the talks at the galas, but also at the rodeo, and, and you'll do very well. And we were talking earlier about uh, Noel Martinez, who was a recent guest yeah. on the podcast. And Noel is a, a CEO of the Palm Beach North Chamber of Commerce, of which I happen to be a proud board member. So I'll shout out to the uh, Palm Beach North. In addition to joining the chambers or, or business organizations, what other organizations uh, would you tell a new business owner to uh, get involved in down here so that they can meet people? So I, I, you know, the, the organization that I put most of my time and efforts into probably is the, the Palm Beach Business Development Board. And depending on what type of customers and things you're looking to attract, I think that they do an amazing job. And they, what they do to attract companies to move here is just incredible. And I think they deserve a lot of the credit for this migration that we've seen over the last 18 months or so. It's really been over about a 10-year period, but got really accelerated over the last 18 months. Uh, it's a great group. That, But the advice I'll give you is find the group that's right for you and commit to it, put time into it, because all of these groups, if you just throw money at them, you're not going to get anything out of them. It's really about getting involved, get a position somewhere, get, you know, be involved. And the more involved you get, the more successful you'll be with any of these groups. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's entirely true. You can't go, I tell this to younger people that are starting their career, either as a consultant or a salesperson or an advisor of some type, you can't go to a networking group for six months and expect you're going to kill it by getting tons of new business. They're just starting to see your face uh, when you've been there for six months. And when I join a new group, I don't ever expect that anything's going to happen, usually for the first two or three years. But you know what? Then what it does it almost seems like the floodgates open, and as long as you do a good job for people, your name gets out there. And- it's definitely a waterfall. You're right. It takes a while, but it's a waterfall. And I w- I'll give you one of my secret tips for joining a new group, and, and uh, this is uh, definitely something I don't tell everybody, but I guess I'm getting ready to tell everybody. So, you know, whenever I'm going to join a new group, the thing I always do is I reach out to the membership director, the, the person that's in charge of selling memberships. Uh, because one, they want your money, and two, uh, they know everybody that's involved in the group. And so I try to go out to lunch or go meet with that person before I ever go to the first event. And I talk to them and tell them, look, I, I, I've heard good things about your group. I think I should be involved in your group. I'm looking to do A, B, C, and D with your group. And you know, these are the kind of people I want to meet at your group. And what that does is they almost every time without fail, they tell you, we're having an event next week. Why don't you come? And then they walk you around and introduce you to the people that you want to meet. That's exactly right. So you get to your very first day at the very first event with your new group, and you got to meet the five most important people that you really were trying to meet at the group in the first day. 
And it's a fantastic strategy. It works. Do it. And you'll have success. That, that's an amazing piece of advice. And it's also one that uh, I've used in the past, probably not all that recently, but it's a phenomenal reminder that uh, if you can find an ally that will walk you around and, and make sure that you meet the people you need to know, uh, that's incredibly and, powerful. And I really think it's even more important for those new people that are just getting into business development because everyone's been that first. You walk into a room and you don't know anyone there yet. You're new to the area. And walking up to people cold and saying, hi, hi my name's this, you know, the, the, the three-word conversations and that, it, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. But getting a warm introduction on your first attempt at something helps you get in the club a little quicker. You always know the new salespeople that aren't going to make it when they walk up to you and say, here's my card. Do you have a card? (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're turning and and then they're going to talk to you for about 30 seconds and turn around and try to find the next person so that they can uh, hand out however many cards they needed to hand out that uh, night. Okay. This has been a fascinating conversation. I'd like you to end it with just a couple of quick tips. You've given us some great advice. Is there a particular book that you think of for business owners or that you've read in the past that you say, this has made a, a huge impact on me as a person or as a business owner, a partner in business, that you would say, don't miss this one? You know, I, I'm kind of ashamed of this, but I'm not a big reader, to be honest with you. So I, I've heard, I, I like the TED Talks. I, I listen to a lot of those. Uh, I've done some of the formal leadership training, whether it's Franklin Covey or, or some of the other ones that are out there through different things throughout my career and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I, I really have looked up to, to Jack Welch, and I, I did read a couple of his books earlier on in my career, and I just think he has some really great philosophies. Uh, some of them may not be so politically correct these days as far as things, but, you know, from a pure business and and standpoint he's got some really good points and uh you know just about the way you evaluate your team and and how you know the way that you're going to be successful is by making sure the people around you are the smartest smarter than you are right and that that was his big thing was always hire people that are smarter and better than you are and get rid of the bottom 10 percent well that's the other side of it probably not as politically correct these days but again i mean it's kind of harsh to say probably but the reality is if you're holding around someone that doesn't really have a career path with you and your your organization you're not really doing them any favors either. So, no, as uh, as my mentor in Vistage uh, State Science likes to say, sometimes there are just people that you need to release to industry so that they can go somewhere else and and uh, flourish with them. So that's okay. All right, you mentioned you love fishing. I would imagine you also like sports. Yeah. Who are your sports teams? So I grew up in the '80s in South Florida. And there was nothing in the world bigger than the Miami Hurricanes at that point. And so they're probably my favorite first and foremost. But I'm a little unique because most people that are Hurricanes fans or Seminole fans or Gator fans hate the other two. And that's not me at all. I actually root for all three of them unless they're playing each other. And the hierarchy is University of Miami, I'm always going to root for whether they doesn't matter. They're always number one. But... The other two, whichever one has a better chance of actually winning a national championship is who I'm rooting for in that game, or better chance of, of you know, progressing or, or doing making noise. And so I, I really do like all three of the teams. Uh, I think it's a shame that we don't keep more of our players in state like we were really good at there for a long time, and would love to see us get back to all three being in the top ten every year. It may be a little while before we get a Florida team that uh, wins a national championship again, Yeah. Uh, but it looks like we've got a couple of them that are in a rebuilding phase, so... Uh, knock on wood. 
Okay, this has been the Business in Paradise podcast. I've had Brent Leslie from Berkowitz, Pollock, and Brandt, CPAs and Advisors. Brent is uh, the first guest that I've had on the podcast. We actually had his father on the podcast well over a year ago. He was one of the, the people that was kind enough to me when we were getting this started to come on and share a lot of his wisdom. Brent's talked about how influential his dad's wisdom has been, also from his uh, other mentor, Steve. And he's really shared some amazing thoughts about his life down here in Palm Beach County. I will ask him this. Brent had, and this will be my last question for you, Brent. You had a choice to live anywhere in the world. Uh, You grew up here. You stayed here. I like to think of Palm Beach as paradise. Why'd you stay? Well, I can tell you this. When I was 10 years old, I told my parents that I drew a box from County Line Road to North Lake from 95 to the beach, and I said, I want to live inside that box for my entire life. And I said that when I was 10. Now, to be full disclosure, I am moving outside of that box, you know, soon. But uh, it is an amazing place, and, and I'm not moving far. I'm just moving a few miles north, and it's, it's really because where I, you know, a few miles north of here when you get into Martin County, it's probably a lot more similar to how Palm Beach County was 15 years ago, 20 years ago uh, when I grew up here. And, and uh, so it, it, that's really the main reason. But, uh, but there is nowhere better in this world than this little piece of paradise we have here in, in this area. So. Absolutely. Brent, thanks for being on Business in Paradise. You've been a great guest. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principal Wealth Advisors. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Commonwealth Financial Network. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Carrie Stamp and Company is located at 110 Bridge Road to Cuesta, Florida, 33469. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Thank you.